The Man in Line with Andy Wint. Fast am I, good afternoon, welcome to Man in Line Open Line today through till one. Call 66 13 68, text 166 WhatsApp, same number, email studio at magsradio.com. So whatever's on your mind, even if you're saying I'm okay in the snow, well that's fine today. Stay warm and wrap up well. Uh, David's first with us now. Hi, David. Hi, Andy. Just to thank you, really, for reminding me about the accreditation at the college. That's We put that down to uh, Manx Radio and the listeners putting pressure on uh, a government department. I'm not giving any credit to the minister because uh, she, she's not been saying nothing about it. But what that's done now is I was talking to a young fellow last week who was having to possibly go away for a couple of weeks to get his accreditation done for gas. And the same for oil and the same for, you know, all these other things, unvented water heating systems, all the technology that's coming forward. And it's going to be done at the college. Well, I'm sure I think the industry has been lobbying for it as well on the island, David. I know, yeah, I, I'm sure it is, because how can you afford to lose a, a guy or a tradesman for a couple of weeks to go across to another college to get things done? You can't do that. Now, the other thing I was going to quickly slip into is what's going on with the Minister of Health and Braddon Commissioners? Why can't they get together and organise somewhere where, where they can go to that sports facility in safety? It, it seems crazy to me. And I've looked at the place, and I've looked at it online. It's going to be a great place for people to exercise themselves. It's got all sorts of organizations in there running it. And here we have an obstacle over a road going in and out. Do we need a protest on it? It's uh, it seems strange. I mean, obviously, there's you know there are things going on behind the scenes, but I mean this this obviously was thought about years and years ago and was okay, yeah. o- okayed at the time. Yeah, well, I was there at the time when I remember the Minister uh, for Health at the time uh, who said, and it was in his constituency at the time, said, this is a great idea. And loads of people said it was a great idea. I had reservations whether they ever afford it. And look what's going to happen, what's happened happened there. And we're talking about years, and I feel sorry for the, uh, the chairman of the Braddon Commissioners to have him to explain himself all the time when... They knew it went through planning, and they could have objected to it at the time. And here we have Max Care now objecting against who's in charge of health, who's in charge of the hospital. It's the minister. Well, let's hope there's a good old-fashioned Manx compromise somewhere along the line, because obviously uh, there are people who want to start businesses in the roundhouse, and obviously it's good for the community. Yeah, 
the only thing I'd say is let's get Bernard Moffat back and we can arbitrate it, can't we? <laughs> to Ian. That, that's exactly what we're missing. OK. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, uh, good to hear from you. Uh, yes, uh, that's the news, first of all, that gas and off-tech training is going to be provided on the Isle of Man. Engineers will be able to keep up to date with industry-required gas, off-tech and unvented hot water training and accreditation on the Isle of Man starting in the spring at UCIOM. So we wish them well and all the people at EDS who are going to be providing that. And uh, uh, As David said, nobody's going to have to leave the Isle of Man for a few days to get accreditation, which seems weird anyway, doesn't it? Uh, but that's fantastic news. Yeah, this is the story of Braddon commissioners who've been served with a 28-day notice to stop vehicles accessing this brand new, I mean, it is brand new, community centre. A 28-day notice to, to, to the uh, from the DHSC to Braddon commissioners saying that's it. The local authorities said the access has always been through hospital grounds, but when the health minister, Laurie Hooper, MHK, started, he said a new access road should have been built. This plan was previously refused by highways at the Department of Infrastructure, but the commissioners are now facing a ban on vehicles that aren't staff or contractors, i.e. the public. So the public won't be able to... Local democracy reporter Emma Draper has been speaking to the chair of Braddon Commissioners, Andrew Jessup. Well, when the issue first came up, well, it was given as an option that we could actually uh, offer people licences to operate as opposed to a full tenancy. That still is an option, but obviously that doesn't uh, confirm that they have vehicle uh, access rights to the site. And for some of them, that might prove to be an issue in terms of their viability. has a potential significant impact on the, as I say, the operational viability of, of the development. In the press conference, you mentioned that the, that you're seeking legal action or legal advice even over public rights of way. Has this, is this going to be one of the next stages that you take? Well, again, we wrote to them and said that um, the advice we'd been given is that they couldn't stop the public from driving on the roads because by dedication that the public had been using these roads for well over 20 years, 21 years. In our view, it's now up to the DHSC to prove that the public don't have a right to drive on the roads and access um, the roundhouse, as opposed to us proving that they do. But yeah, you know, that potentially gets us into into this sort of round of litigation, which nobody wins. Although in, in, in our case, you know, we're having to fund that through the rates. They get free advice from the Attorney General's chambers. But ultimately, any costs that we um, have, they, that falls then upon the ratepayer. And the irony is the biggest ratepayer in Braddon is the DHSC. The rates have gone up because of this development. Did you foresee, I imagine you foresee this happening. Did you foresee it going up this much? Well, the rates haven't just gone up because of the roundhouse. There are, you know, a number of other issues that, you know, in terms of increased costs due to inflation and increased costs passed on to us from from government. But yes, it has had, you know, um, an impact on the rates this year in the fact that we didn't have the income that we predicted for this financial year. Um, and obviously we've also, you know, um, budgeted on a worst case scenario for this coming financial year as well. And as I say, we thought we had to be, you know, responsible in doing that. You know, um, likewise with government, you know, we shouldn't be budgeting for a deficit. 
That was Andrew Jessup, Chair of Braddon Commissioners. Um, DHSC have responded, saying the primary concern is the safety of people at the hospital, and the DHSC says it expects no vehicles to be accessing that site from Monday the 4th of March quite what they're going to do on Monday the 4th of March, whether they'll have officers there waiting to monitor and booking people or what have you, uh, then we don't know. And as Mr Jessup said, if it goes to litigation, well, we only we know, of course, the people who win when there's litigation, our good friends, the advocates. So quite what they do and government does... We'll have to find that, but somewhere somebody will be taking a legal opinion. Anyway, Ken's on now. Hi, Ken. Afternoon to you. Um, I just want to talk about the Alamand government's energy policy, and particularly the reference to the MUA and the comfy heat tariff. Yeah. Which you only qualify if your main source of heating is electricity. So I'm just wondering why we're building new houses, you know, with gas and oil boilers, where if they did it with... Um, electricity, how you get an electric boiler, I don't know if it's electric radiators or other heating, but you know, you pay only about 17.6 per unit rather than 30p a unit. And it's only because somebody put um, uh, uh, the electric bill on Facebook and they said they were trying to work out how, which qualifies for what. And I've got a friend who's in a flat who's got a dual purpose and I thought oh that'd be the smart meter but no there's a private contractor has to fit the meter that gives you the two readings and you only only qualify for uh, comfy heat this two two rate tariff if electricity is your primary source of heating yes so that, that will be presumably storage radiators or electric yes. radiators or electric fires if they still have them. Yeah, but you only get the rate between, I think it's midnight and 6 o'clock and is it 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock in the afternoon. But yeah. I'm, I'm just surprised they're not pushing it more. I thought it was all to do with smart meters, but the smart meters, which is... Oh, a waste of government money, I, I think, that that's a losing battle because they're, they're pushing ahead with fitting these smart meters. Interesting. I've, I've not heard comfy heat being pushed that much, and as you say... No, no. I did know about it, but because we're on gas, we didn't bother. But um, you'd have thought they'd try to be pushing that more. Of course, that would... More people that use electricity, I don't know whether they spare electricity or not. Interesting. Okay. All right. Yeah, well, we'll we'll leave that one out there. And if anybody's got an opinion, get in touch. Thanks, Ken. Thank you. Cheers. Good to hear from you. Are you on this uh, domestic comfy heat tariff? It's uh, as Ken said. There are two periods: midnight till six a.m. and two till four. Uh, when you, I think it's uh, what seventeen point six p per unit, you get a, a discount of this, but you only get comfy. Heating, uh, comfy heat, this two-rate tariff to domestic customers if you're using electricity as a primary source of heat for your property. If you're on comfy heat, does it work? Does it save money? And is this going to be available for new builds? Interesting. 
Uh, thanks also. Uh, hi, uh, says Susan. Can anybody uh, answer the question for me? Uh, the meeting at Russian, instead of uh, leasing of the seabed to a private company for development of, of a wind farm, was discussed. Apparently, this would have the capability of producing much more electricity than we need. However, this is in the early stages of negotiation and will take longer to implement. So are we rushing headlong into the development of an onshore wind farm by 2026 to satisfy Mr. Cannon's timeline. How many times have we heard the Manx Utilities quote that they have to achieve this in order to meet the government's deadline? Surely it's going to be better to wait a bit longer to achieve our renewable energy needs without tearing up the Manx countryside. This is regarding a couple of days ago. We had the people on from Wardell Armstrong and Manx Utilities talking about Erie Stain and Scards and the potential wind farm that apparently is going to go to planning. There'll be a, a design of it by next year and go to planning and presumably they're saying will be up and spinning late 2026. Coincidentally, and you're quite right to point that out, the next election is going to be um, autumn 2026. And uh, presumably that will be the um, uh, the will to get it done within this um, this timber within this administration. Uh, Howard's on now. Hi, Howard. Hello, Andy. Um, just as an afterthought for what uh, Ken was saying about the heating, the two charges, etc. When we moved into our house, and it's a long time ago, this house in Anaco and a lot of others were electric central heating. They had a, a large, and it was Creda, almost wardrobe size unit in the kitchen. And you could or have the off-peak heating and uh, charging, etc. What it was is warm air heating. And we applied to what was then the MEA to go on to the off-peak and it's something that might be worth bearing in mind now, whether this system is still operational. They told us, no, you can't go on that because you are not the first tenants. And we were not allowed to go on to the off-peak because there had been previous tenants in this house and we weren't the original. So if that particular line in the agreement still exists, People that's in houses and they have electric central heating, it's possible they could be refused the off-peak. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, the system should be for all that come into that particular house, not for the tenants. Well, you would have thought, and I just wonder, I mean, why anything like that should have been put in anyway, in particular if they're trying to push this comfy heat tariff, um, mm -hmm. they'd be helping people get into it and get electricity as a primary source of heating. I'm intrigued, yeah. by the way, how did the warm air thing work? It was... Uh, it was as big as a wardrobe, uh, and it contained bricks, and they would heat up um, at a certain time of the day, and then they would distribute the by a, a small fan fitted into the unit throughout the house through vents in the walls. Oh, like a giant storage radiator. It was essentially it was a storage. It was made by Creda, and because they were. Well, the biggest percentage of them weren't working, and the other ones were so cost prohibitive because of the cost of electricity at the time, people just weren't using them. And this is when the town council decided to take them out, 
and a survey went round asking, do you want gas with central heating or do you want coal with background heating? And the majority of people, I believe, went for gas. So they put coal in. And then we found about half of the cost. Now, that's a long time ago. But these things have a tendency to be overlooked when they're drawing up new agreements. And if you are in a privately rented property, would this be applicable, the um, off-peak, or would it be for the for the dwelling as opposed to the tenant? So it's it's something just worth bearing in mind if you go into a, an electrically centrally heated house and you're going to look. Personally speaking, I. I don't like the idea of having off-peak encouraging people to put washing machines, tumble dryers, and everything on when you go to bed. That's a recipe for disaster. Interesting. Uh, no. um, especially if, you know, if you've got children in the house, and in the modern houses now with the open staircase, there's generally no way out, no safe way out. But um, I know of one neighbor, her washing machine went on fire. Luckily enough, they were able to get out of the house. But this is something, personally speaking, I do not like the idea of running high-voltage appliances while you're in bed. But the curious thing there is looking at, and you mentioned it yesterday, uh, the company that's planning on putting a, a wind farm off the Isle of Man yeah. uh, are in, well, having financial difficulties there, having a quick route around their wallet to see if they get enough left to do any jobs. Remember when uh, Enron... Just before the power station, Enron was going around and doing exactly the same thing, picking up all the subsidies and the various aspects of what they did as good business, and then suddenly, bang, they went down the pan, and it was Enron that was going to build the new power station in Paul Rose. Oh, crikey. Yes. <laughs> Dear me. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's going back a little while, but <laughs> this this sounds just like a repeat of that that the subsidies and the high rate of return for their monies in the wind farms is rapidly running out. Okay. All right. Thanks, Howard. Take care. Bye now. 24 minutes past 12. Um, Yes, the people behind the Danish company uh, that are set to build our offshore wind farms say everything's going ahead as planned. Uh, Questions are raised earlier this week because Orsted, the company, announced an outcome, the outcome of a global portfolio review, which is a jazzed-up way of saying things aren't going terribly well. The Danish firm is uh, axing, I think, 800 jobs, exiting several offshore wind markets, leaving Norway, Spain and Portugal, amongst others, and paused dividend payments to shareholders in an attempt to recover from a chaotic last year. Orsted struggled in the face of high inflation, supply chain disruptions and rising interest rates, which have hit the wind farm industry. Uh, They've cancelled two big offshore wind projects in America, Ocean win one and two, blaming a sharp rise in in costs. Anyway, we contacted Orsted with regards to the proposed Manx wind farms, approximately six to 12 nautical miles off Mackleshead, and the development director over here, John Galloway, says they're still on track to submit a planning application to the Isle of Man in 2025. So the more Vannin wind farm off the Isle of Man is going ahead as usual. I don't know whether there's any government uh, incentives or 
subvention for that. Um, and obviously, we are due to get some money, a, a lot of money, from renting the seabed out to them. But we wait, we watch and we see, and we'll find out. Tony's on now. Hi, Tony. Hi, Andy. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Yeah. Just a, just a quick one. Um, taking a step back and looking at all these... Um, dramatic things that we keep getting told that we have to do. Um, the UK government is basically pushing out its target of when it's going to go carbon neutral. The Labour Party has just announced they're going to scrap their green policy because there's not enough money. And yet we still have targets that are way earlier than the UK. And we don't seem to be discussing that at all. It seems to be that Alf Khan has made the decision we're going to do this and, oh, we'll jump on the bandwagon and row, go along as quick as we can and spend as much money as we can for an undersea cable to bring electricity back from Orsted's offshore wind farm because it won't come here. On building a wind farm, which we're not sure that is really going to solve the base load, because it isn't, um, and I wonder, is there anybody in government anywhere actually thinking or are they just slavishly following something that somebody else has told them is a good idea? There is a, an, another option to that, Tony, and it is the fact that we've got targets. But remember, targets aren't always hit, are they? But they can always be re they can always be referred to. So even if we don't hit the target by accident or by design, we can always say in the future, "Ah, but we tried." That's fine. But the issue is, these targets, as was said the other day when they came on from Manx Utilities, are written into law, and they have to be hit according to Manx Utilities. So it doesn't matter how much we have to spend; we'll spend it to hit the target that is really not a sensible target to start with and really doesn't do a lot of good for the Isle of Man except raise our debt level to something we can't cope with. Wouldn't you... it be more sensible for us to revise those targets to something that's a little bit more normal since our impact on global warming will be so infinitesimal, whatever... Lamara Crane thinks that we have to go white now or go green now. It's impossible. She drives a car, I'm sure, or she drives a bike. There'll be parts of that bike that are made of plastic, and plastic comes from oil. So you can't go 100% green. It's impossible. So we need to. I'm not. I, I have no problem with reducing our carbon footprint. I'm in favour of that. But I'm in favour of doing it without breaking the bank. Go on, what are you going to say? Uh, well, I was going to, first of all, I was going to talk about Lamara Crane. And the, the one thing about it is, at least you know with Lamara, you know where she stands. She's very forthright in that. And she's a, obviously a leader of a political party. And that's always, you know, we, we need political leaders with uh, impetus and with, with views. But the other thing regarding uh, Manx Utilities, I'll just come back to the fact that, remember, it's publicly owned. So even if they don't hit that target and can possibly say in retrospect, ah, but we tried, there's no sanction for that, is there? And that's another thing. What we need to do is start putting sanctions on the civil servants and on the ministers. So I'll give you an instance. Um, Manx care doesn't work. Manx no care just doesn't work at all. So I would say that if they exceed their budget... 
we need to take all the bonuses and their pay rises off the people that work there because they're not making their targets because the targets were never capable of being got to at the first place. And that's the nub of the problem, Tony. The fact is, if you know you can you you can't make chicken soup out of uh, how can I put this? You can't make chicken soup out of chicken manure. So if Manx Care were handed a task that was impossible, whose fault is that? Was it their fault for taking the task or the DHSC's fault for giving it to them? It's the minister's fault for not bringing it up and saying, I refuse this. That's his job. And he, he accepts it and he complains about it everlastingly. What he should have done was said, we can't accept that. I'm not going to accept it. But they don't do that because that would that would be something that would be contravening what the Council of Ministers have decided. And you all have to agree, don't you? We have a problem that people will just wait until next year and then ask for more money. And what happens? Tim will give them more money. It just doesn't make any sense. We're not solving problems. What we're doing is pushing them out into the long grass and we'll do it next year. But, and come 2026, when they all get re-elected, it'll be the same thing. But, Tony, the, you know, we've been told that we're, we're in tough times. The money that used to be there isn't there. Then why are we spending £200 million on an undersea cable that we don't need today, and we're spending another, I, I dread to think how much, on a wind farm that's not going to fix a problem? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. And at the end of it, um, the important thing is that the customer has to be satisfied and the customer will be satisfied if electricity costs a reasonable amount of money. If electricity goes up in price uh, a lot because of this, then, you know, there will be political repercussions. Yeah, but those political repercussions will be too late. You'll already have the problem. I mean, Bonzo goes on about this will be cheaper electricity. It won't. It's impossible. Even David, even Ash, Mr. Ashford, I think when he was in Treasury a couple of years ago, came on and said, this is going to have to be paid for somehow. He's the only person that I've ever heard in government reference the fact that it's going to cost. Somehow it's got to be paid for. And nobody in government wants to come and admit we haven't got that money. So the solution is... More people on the island, more income coming from the taxes will be good to go. It's not a problem, which is pie in the sky. We, we need to start looking at this sensibly, not as I've put a target out there and I've got to do it. It's got to stop because basically you're going to break the bank and we're already doing that. Right. Higher taxes are coming. Higher oh, costs are crikey. Coming. Can you imagine that? Yeah, I can. I, I guess what's going to happen, there'll be a lot of young people will leave the Isle of Man because they can't afford to live. Which, of course, is directly in opposition to Mr Cannon's stated intention of retaining young people on the Isle of Man. We need, you know, the, this new financial model of having 100,000 people on the Isle of Man, 4,000, 5,000 extra workers... Uh, generating national insurance and ITIP, you know, this is all predicated on greater financial activity. Andy, I I can understand what he's saying. I just don't see it happening and I don't see it coming. I I don't have a problem with 
trying to be greener. I don't have a problem with that at all. But I do have a problem with throwing money at things that are not going to solve a problem. We have a problem that there's a global problem. It's not a Manx problem. You know, if we went ahead and said, okay, we're completely carbon neutral, spent a billion pounds on it, and then the Isle of Man government will, for the next 500 years, take money off the people who live here to try and pay for that debt, is that going to affect global warming? No. I just don't understand how you can say we've got to do this. I can see why they're saying it. Because some bloke in the UN says you should do it. Some, they all get round a table in Davos and say, oh, we've got to do something about this. But that's about making money for people that make batteries and make wind turbines and do green energy. It's not about the Isle of Man. It's not about us, the poor people at the end of the day, who have to pay for it. I just, I just don't see it. I'd, if you can explain it to me... I'll listen. Oh, right. But I don't see anybody explaining it. Manoara Crane doesn't explain it. She just keeps re- repeating what uh, her mantra is about we've got to stop this, which is if you keep repeating something and it's not going to happen, that's a sign of madness, I think, is the definition. Expecting something to change when you keep doing the same thing and it didn't work the first time, I just don't understand it. Oh, right. Okay. I, 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 Anyway, I don't want to moan about it. I just want somebody in government to stand up and tell us we're going to do this because of this, this and this, not because of global warming. All right, thanks, Tony. Good deal. All right, good to hear from you. Just a quick note, by the way, uh, the subway branch at Peel is closing this month after the Tesco takeover of ShopRite. The subway branches at Peel and Port Erin are going to close Sunday 27th of February. So um, no more Subway fast food on the Isle of Man uh, because of the Tesco takeover. And if you're a TT fan, uh, the news that Davo Johnson's going to be racing for the official Kawasaki road racing team at this year's TT. Looking forward to that. And Eddie's on now. Hi, Eddie. Yeah, good day, Andy. Um, yes, I'm afraid it's another Eddie. I was just often wondering what the collective noun is for a group of Eddies. A bunch. <laughs> Oh, well, how about a current? How's that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, I was just uh, listening earlier with regard to uh, projects that get done on the Isle of Man and things like that. It seems to me at the moment that if if the government puts a price on it, you can basically multiply that by four to get what it's actually going to cost. And as far as the time taken to do it, you can multiply that by at least four as well. And um, just just a bit of history here, which might say, well, what's happening to the Isle of Man now? In, in 1934, in Port St. Mary, they decided to build the Point Sea Wall, which goes from the breakwater. And... Um, they originally were going to build it from the breakwater to the lime kills to provide work for unemployed people in the winter of 1935. And they did all the estimates, and the government decided to employ 26 unemployed men each winter at an annual cost of £1,700. And that got approval by Tinwald, and they commenced on the 1st of November 1935 on the section from the breakwater. Now, 
That winter, the weather was most severe. Long continued inshore gales and heavy rains. But despite this, the work was completed in advance of schedule. So in 1936, they carried on, and the commissioners asked the government if they could go as far as Lagnivari Beach there. And this was agreed, so two sections were added. The second section started on the 1st of November 1936, with the weather even worse than the previous year. But work was again completed ahead of schedule. And in 1937, they added a little shelter there, that cost £300, and uh, the weather that winter was exceptionally good, so that the, almost the four sections were completed in three winters. So the government agreed to provide some extra money to provide the footpath along the seawall, and despite the weather in 1938 being the worst ever experienced the work was completed by March 1939. The actual cost of the project was £8,206 against the estimate of 9125 Where have we gone wrong, Andy? What, what have we gone wrong? Why could they do it and we can't? You just wonder... Uh, uh, I mean, you're quite right, the, the question. It seems that in the past, people regarded public money, I'm not saying as sacrosanct, but it was, you know, there was no option to go over budget, you know, bear, you know, barring catastrophes. You know, things just used to be done when they were in the public sector. Yeah, well, this was done by unemployed people. Okay, who people sort of slag off the unemployed people saying they've got no interest in work and all that sort of stuff. But these people wanted to work and they they did a damn good job. Mm. And that thing has lasted for over 90 years now. Well, I'm just, um, you know, where Manx Radio is, we're just around the corner from Marine Drive, which was a winter work scheme in itself. Yeah, exactly. So uh, perhaps we need to look back and see what our ancestors did and then maybe we'll actually get somewhere at the moment but right. uh, by the way Andy there's not a lot of active travel going on today is there? Uh, not in, well, I can't see many people and uh, quite a few people walking with very red faces but that's about it that's about it yeah <laughs> right. Okay. Thanks for calling today. Thanks, Andy. Bye. Right, it's 20 to 1 on Manx Radio. I've had a, a few notes in over the past few days saying what's happened to the Kroger website. Kroger, the uh, the people who are aiming to drill for gas off Mackled, um, we're trying to find out. Um, you can't find it. Kroger.com was their original one, which redirects to Kroger.im, which it says is that the site is currently offline for scheduled maintenance. Please check back soon. Schedule maintenance for the Kroger website. Does this mean something is in the offing? Uh, we, if uh, we, we have spoken to people from Kroger in the past, but at the moment we can't quite get through. But if anybody's listening from Kroger, when's your website coming back? It's good to talk. It's how we get things done. So when you apply for a personal loan from Black Horse, you'll get support from one of our relationship managers who's there to talk you through your application. You could borrow up to £50,000 with up to seven years to pay it back and you could receive your money within 24 hours of approval. Ready to talk? Go to blackhorseoffshore.co.uk to request a callback today. Finance subject to status. Applicants must be 18 or over. Grill. Bake. 
steam, boil, stir fry, simmer, fry, roast, slow cook, griddle, toast. An Arga can do it all. An Arga isn't just an amazing cooker, it's a way of life. Arga specialist Haldane Fisher can recommend an Arga for every home. Call in store and discover the range and join thousands of owners who love coming home to Arga's warmth, style and practicality. Haldane Fisher for Arga, home to great cooking. Island Hearing Limited, your local hearing care specialist since 2009 with branches in Port Erin and Ramsey. We provide the very latest hearing aid technology available, which you can try at home, with excellent aftercare and a wax removal service available using microsuction. Give us a ring on 830-722 or visit Island Hearing at One Station Road, Port Erin. We're happy to help. Island Hearing, always listening. Have you been invited to take part in the Household Income and Expenditure Survey? It's one of the most important surveys for our island because the information you provide is vital data for our island's financial planning. It helps us calculate our VAT revenue from the UK. Plus, it gives us a better understanding of the financial strains on residents so we can support those who are struggling. If you've been invited, please take part. Visit gov.im forward slash H-I-E-S for more information. The Manx Gaelic, the mother tongue of Alan Vanin, the Isle of Man. You can catch up with more of Manx Radio's Manx language programmes in the weekly podcast Abershan Rish. Say that again. that's the one. The Man in Line with Andy Wint. 16 minutes before once. A filthy old day today. Hope you're uh, staying safe, keeping warm and dry. David said, Andy, on 425, this text, can you honestly see the planning department going against the government and refusing planning permission for the wind farm? Well, you never know, do you, David? Uh, Julian's on now. Hi, Julian. Hi, Andy. Um, yeah, uh, Eddie, Tony B and Howard talking a lot of sense there. Perhaps we should get them in, sort the, uh, the island out by five o'clock uh, today, perhaps. Hopefully, sure anyway, be before done. tea time, that'll be lovely. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd like to talk about gas engineers, but um, just one quick thing. Um, there's a glitch, it appears, on Manx Radio's website in the news. Um, I'm noticing when I click on a news item yesterday, it's saying, sorry, we can't find that page. Um, if anyone does a search for Trapped Killer Whales, Manx Radio, it comes up with the link, but when you click on it, it it's disappeared. And it's a news story about 12 killer whales gasping for air trapped in thick sea ice off Hokkaido Island in Japan with suggestions to deploy an icebreaker to get them out. Um, it does seem that um, I would have thought Manx Wildlife and Friends of the Earth probably would like to read that story on the Manx uh, radio news page. And was that was that a Manx news thing or was it a uh, an international news thing? It was, it's Manx Radio's own web. If you put in Killer Whales Manx Radio, it will come up with them. You can see it on Google search, but when you click on it, it doesn't seem to be there. But um, if you, it, obviously it will come up with other suggestions and then you can see it. But I, I, it, it popped up on Manx Radio briefly yesterday and it disappeared for some reason. Um, well, I'm um, sure they'll get to it with the soldering irons, hopefully. Yes, yeah, get those chips. Um, yeah, good news about you know, just earlier on about gas engineers being able to be trained on the island. Yeah. Um, but am I right in saying that despite the law banning oil and gas um, 
purchases in new builds coming up next year, uh, government has already instructed building control not to allow any new plans being considered if they contain an oil or gas boiler for a new build as of January 1st this year. So isn't that, A, going to affect newly qualified gas engineers with less business? And also, um, is there any legality in stopping the public from choosing to fit whatever boiler they want before this law comes in 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 January 25? Uh, No, I don't think there's a law against it at all, no. And certainly the building uh, control bit is only for new builds and I think for extensions. Yeah, but I'm just wondering... Why, why is building control doing that if there is no legal? There's no law now saying you can't do it. This is merely an instruction to building control to refuse planning applications. But I don't see that there's a law to back that up, is there? No, but uh, presumably if it's a, a kind of an addendum to building controls, it will just require being adopted as a rule for building controls. Hmm. But if somebody's already, say, they've, sub- they've paid all the money to submit a plan, say, all got ready in December and then they submit it in January and then they're going to have to do a heck of a lot of redesigning of that plan to get something like a heat pump in. Well, they're not small, are they, heat pumps? No, it's interesting. There's a story in the UK paper a few days ago about a 57-year-old woman in the UK bought a 200-year-old property in Cornwall. Um, then with the heating system, it was not near mains gas or anything. So the local uh, business decided to um, convince her to put in a heat pump. So she spent £25,000 on a heat pump and getting her roof done and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and now apparently she's sitting in about five layers of clothes and the temperature indicated inside is 12 Celsius because the... The property obviously can't handle this heat pump thing. But um, she's uh, saying that uh, rather than spending 25,000 quid, she wished she'd just spent the money either on an oil boiler or um, convection electric heaters in the rooms. Uh, Nobody quite knows, do they? I mean, until you've got the heater in, until you've got the boiler in, nobody quite knows what's going to work. But having said that, I've been in a few new bills that have got these massive pumps in, uh, and they seem to be absolutely fine. I mean, they seem to work okay. Yeah, um, but obviously the um, the thing is, of course, you've got to have the right insulation and all the rest of it. That but, is true, um, yeah. And you've got to keep yeah, the, yeah. the windows closed a lot of the time as well. Yeah, and then you've got to have these exchange pumps. I just wonder, you know, a lot of people say that um, keeping your windows open, um, it's a lot more healthy for you than having all these sort of air conditioning pumps and things. By the way, just before I go... Um, Yesterday morning's news, I was heartened to hear the um, pharmacist from um, Clear Pharmacy in Port Erin saying that um, we should be taking zinc and up to 4,000 IUs of vitamin D a day. Um, I think he's uh, on the right track there. All right. OK. Thanks, Julian. Thanks, Ed. Bye. All right. It's 11 minutes before one. We still haven't found out, by the way, who pranged the Jubilee Oak. Um, before the work started on the roundabout, apparently there's a big chunk missing if you drive th- uh, by uh, by Braddon Bridge. Um, there's a chunk of bark, a big chunk of bark, missing near the bottom of the tree. We've asked DOI what caused the damage. Nobody quite knows. If, if, if you did it, please own up, because nobody, nobody likes a tree being hurt. Charlie's on now. Hi, Charlie. Hi, boy. Uh One of the biggest things about this wind farm 
The woman was saying that the reason for her staying was because of the southwest prevailing wind. Yeah. That's correct, isn't it? Yeah, she did. Well, well, there's a brownfield site which has the same direction of southwesterly wind going between two mountains. So why hasn't that been considered? Uh, nobody knows. I mean, the the, the other, uh, the northern site seems to have been just pushed to one side, and they seem to be going for, for Erie Stain in the south of the Isle of Man at the moment. That what they're saying is it's the preferred site. Well, likes of um, snuck the wind. That valley runs southwest down towards Erie Cushland. Fair enough. People will say contaminated spoil on the land. Yes, but they won't have to remove any contaminated spoil of that land because it could put back to where it came from. Do you think back that's a, be- a, be- a better place to put it, Charlie? Yeah, put back back on the mine shaft. Mine shaft on site, but the, the spoil's only going two, three or four metres deep. Then you're on to virgin ground. Yeah. But, um, and, plus the fact... The nearest house is two to three miles away in Foxdale. Interesting. That's interesting. But, I mean, as you say, if they're, what, three, four metres deep in spoil, that's going to be a lot of excavation. Yeah, but that's solid ground now. You can build on the uh, land where the spoil being put in after 20 years. So they can drill down through that. But when, another thing is when um, the... Um, Prisons being built, I said to an MHK, are you putting a wind turbine up at Jerby? And they said, no, it cost, it'll cost 1.2 million. Well, Jerby's one of the windiest places on the island. I said, well, I found out recently, well, some years ago, they were paying nearly £600,000 a year in electricity fees for the prison, for the lights on all the time. Well, it well have paid for itself by now, wouldn't it? That's a thought, isn't it? All right, thanks, Charlie. Okay, bye. Good to hear from you. And Kevin's on now. Uh, hi, Kevin. Hi, Andy. How are you doing? Good, thanks. I was going to read your email, but you came on anyway. Yes, I thought I'd just come on just to clarify uh, what I meant in the in the text. Um, I listened to David speaking at the top of the program about the EDS training, which has been provided at the college yeah. um, for the plumbing and heating. Well, I sent an email to EDS to ask them what courses will be provided at the college. And it's only for plumbers and heating engineers. It's not for electricians, which I think is only really addressing half the problem. Because, of course, if you're installing any renewable heating system, you will still need electricians to complete the job. And can you get those qualifications verified on the Isle of Man at the moment? Uh, not as far as I'm aware. If you're doing something, for example, like inspection and testing, which is a city and guilds 2391 or 2392, I think it is now, or if you're doing the MCS, which is the micro certification scheme uh, for solar, you have to go off island. And even updating the regulations, 18th edition, or what will now become the 19th edition, you will have to go off island. So they've only really addressed half the problem here. And it's not addressing any requirements or continued professional development for electricians. So it's not really a, a complete answer that they've given there. I wonder so if it, I mean I wonder if they thought about it and said no or just not even thought about it. 
I don't think they've thought about it because the email basically went into details about plumbing and heating. They are providing electrical safety, very basic electrical safety and safe isolation procedures for plumbers, but it's not for existing electricians who wish to update their existing skills and stay abreast of the renewable um, schemes. So, no, it's not quite there yet, Andy. I think it still needs to be addressed a little bit further. Mm. So, when David said at the top of the program, it is good news, but it's only half the issue. It's only half the problem because you still need electricians. So, it's a good good start, just haven't finished the job. it's a good start, but you're only addressing half the problem. Okay. Uh, so we're not quite there yet. I appreciate that, Kevin. Yet. All right. Good to hear from you're you. Welcome. Thanks for that. Thank you. Uh, it's uh, five to one on Manx Radio. Uh, tomorrow, by the way, you, a lot of people are enjoying these uh, 60th anniversary things that we're rebroadcasting throughout the year. Tomorrow, every uh, Monday and Friday, we repeat, repeat some 60th anniversary news stories in the 60 years we've been on the air. And on Wednesdays, we're repeating some Kelly's Eyes, looking back at architectural heritage on the Isle of Man. Tomorrow, Friday, it's back to the early 1990s. We're looking back at the plans to develop a marina in Douglas by Albert Goubet. That's tomorrow uh, on Man in Line. Albert Goubet's plans to develop a marina in Douglas in the early 1990s. And just a quick word, uh, the uh, length of uh, road of the middle farm in Boldrine's got a problem. There's a burst water main. The road's closed till 4.30 today with work being carried out by Manx Utilities. Am I not the first or last person to suggest this, says Peter, but we have an existing recently refurbished water wheel in Laxey that happily turns away but no longer works as originally intended to pump water. Would it not be simple to utilise this enormous turning force to generate electricity for the Isle of Man? A simple belt drive from the wheel spindle could surely power a generator, something, a simple solution to some of our needs without any impact on the environment and at virtually no cost. Uh, Whether anybody thought of it at the time... Uh, I don't know, but uh, certainly it's it has been suggested. I'm, I'm sure there's a problem, and I'm sure there's a reason we can't do it. At the moment, nobody's probably thought of it. And talk about heating, says Tim. I thought, says Tim, that warm air gas heating was a super way to heat a house. Could somebody tell me why it wasn't, please? What and where is this roundhouse, says Curious. It's in Braddon. It's a big thing. It's a new community centre in Braddon. It's cost a fortune to put up. And according to DHSC, anybody can go there as long as you work there. The public isn't allowed. And from Monday the 4th of March, something's going to be contravened. But we'll find out more as we get even closer. Maybe the health minister, who apparently signed it off at the time, may have something to say. We'll find out. Back with an open line tomorrow. Christie's on the way, and thanks to Ben Hartley on the phone. W-I-N-T